2: Hey guys, Jay Foster, Locked On Blue Jackets here. This is Locked On Presents. Today we are continuing uh, our roundtable discussion of being LGBTQ plus in sports. Uh, I sat down with Robbie Leagno, Sarah Avampato and Rachel Donner. Uh, today we are talking about kind of our differing journeys into sports media. We're talking about rainbow capitalism uh, and we are talking about, you know, does Pride merch really mean anything if the profits aren't going anywhere meaningful? So that is uh, that is on the agenda for today. Enjoy. In a in a weird turn of events, that kind of kickstarted my like sports media. Karina, um which which I want to talk about in in a little bit but like I'd always I'd always assumed that those two things were going to be separate you know I so, like, okay I can I can be involved in hockey and I can be involved in like queer advocacy but I don't know that those two things are going to mix and then um I came out I wrote a thing just kind of like stream of consciousness so I was like I need to like like an open letter to to my team and to to my friends and stuff, ended up putting it on Outsports as like a like a fan piece. Outsports got in touch um and said, Can we run this as a, a regular article? We'll need like some photos and a bio. And I was like, Yeah, okay, sure. Not expecting much of it. And I kind of forgot about it. And then 18 months later, I get a uh, a DM on Twitter from a guy called John Holmes who runs Sports Media LGBT. Uh, and also wrote writes for sky sports and he was like there's a pride weekend happening in the EIHL, which is our like pro league over here can I talk to you about being LGTB in hockey and so we, we talked on the phone for like two and a half hours it was great and that really kind of kickstarted everything and then I ended up writing about Zach when he came out so I went down to the rink hung out at practice got to know Zach got to know a couple of the guys on the team talked to them they were really great and it's kind of been been from there so it is always really funny to me that like these two parts of my identity that I always thought were going to be separate kind of being queer is what gave me gave me this push into hockey and then you know in in January I was sitting down with like Brock Gillis and Jessica Platt and you know legit NHL guy Curtis Gabriel and it was very much like a the how how did this become my life you know, and I think it was very much that's kind of how I how the, the podcast stuff came along as well. as I think you know it kind of raised my profile as a person a little bit. Obviously, knowing Sarah helped because you know we we love nepotism here at <laughs> Locked on Blue Jackets and Locked on King. Sarah was like, I need a Blue Jackets expert, you're my only Blue Jackets friend. Please come and talk to me about goalies for for seven minutes. And so that was kind of, but I don't think that would have been as well received had I not kind of cut my teeth on this article that i did um with zach and talking to uh, john and kind of getting a feel for for sports that way so i feel kind of really really lucky that it kind of intersected at this this kind of um perfect perfect place so i kind of i kind of want to talk about that a little bit and i kind of want to talk um specifically to uh, robbie about this if if You don't mind because I feel like your your journey has been kind of it's run on like a different path to mine. Obviously, you worked in sports and then you just kind of recently came out after you were established like as as a sports person. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit on on that if if you feel comfortable to
0: yeah yeah i mean like i've um like i kind of said at, at the beginning i've been i've been in sports media for 10 years i started obviously it was high school at the time it was high school radio um and i did you know play-by-play when it's like oh you have the perfect voice for broadcast you should do radio and then i just kept doing it kept doing it and then you know college sports being again continuing play-by-play i'm gonna do hockey i'm gonna do this uh, i'm doing great but you know this entire time i had this all you know this you know this this queer you know feminine side to me that absolutely no one knew about because I'm a, I'm a, what I'm a sports guy. What do you come on? Seriously? No, no. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, my mental health starts to deteriorate and everything was like, and I'm like, I, I mean, I, I gotta do something. And you know, that's, and that's when I started actually just recently came out this year. I'm like, yeah, I am, you know, gender fluid and trans. And, and, uh, ever since then, like, you know, even people in sports and, you know, at least here in Tucson, the uh, sports media scene here in Tucson, it's like, cool. Yeah, like you're, you know, like you're good at what you do. It doesn't matter. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is not expected. I expected that, you know, that people. It's like, no, you have to be a, you know, you have to be a super masculine guy. And yeah, to see this difference was it was it was a it was a an eye opening. I think it's so far it's been great. I haven't had any negative from anybody, and it's been, it's been fantastic.
2: I often wonder if we don't give sports guys enough credit sometimes because I feel like we expect the worst out of things and i i like i have never kind of had to deal with that in terms of like i've never had anyone come after me on the internet for being trans i've had people come after me for like not knowing sports or for you know my my stupid takes on jordan binnington or whatever um but it it has always surprised me that and especially like it it feels like i i should give guys in sports more credit because like i like i said when i came out to my team they were all incredible. Like, even the guys that I thought, I didn't think anyone would say anything, but I thought guys would treat me differently or not really kind of interact with me anymore. Even those guys, like, the guys that have since gone on to play pro, or, you know, I'm lucky enough to know a couple of retired pro guys from the Elite League, and, you know, they're they're mentioning, um, they're messaging me to be like, oh, that's so cool. I actually, you know, I had one guy be like, oh, like someone I was in the army with has transitioned and is, is a woman now. And so, you know, that was that was really cool. And so I've never kind of had any issues specifically with me being queer in hockey. And I wonder if it it is something that kind of has been built up and built up in my head, just because you hear all these horror stories. And then actually, like I came to Locked On and I've not like no one has... No one cares. Like, or it's not that they don't care, but everyone has just kind of seemed to be like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, we, we think it we think it's awesome. We're gonna like retweet your angry tweets and your interviews and stuff. And so it's it's always really kind of surprising. And I always feel a little bit guilty about being surprised that people aren't terrible. <laughs> so
3: I do think there's a lot of generational differences there you know, with exposure and education that exists now. And I think, uh, you know, I hate to be like, back in my day. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I came out in the very early 90s, which is a whole different world to to what it's like today. And I would say just from a, a gender perspective in terms of the role of women in sports media, I think... You know, for me, the women that I saw in sports media were sideline reporters, and that's about it. You know, maybe in the in the NFL, you get like one or two sideline reporters, and that was the and and Linda Cohn. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> basically all I had, and so you know, it wasn't something that I personally had considered, especially adding the layer of being queer, as. You know, a potential career path for me to be in sports media. It just was not even a kernel of a thought in my head as a high schooler, as a even in college. Um, Well into my 20s, I I was just like, "Oh, oh, maybe this is something that one can do. And so I didn't even think about working in sports professionally until I was in my late 20s. And, you know, have meandered in and out of it to some degree since then. But I I do, I I feel like, you know, you young whippersnappers are are really (laughs) blessed. And I think that, you know, I just, I appreciate the progress so much. I know there's so much more to be done and especially coming, you know, from the corporate, from the media conglomerate side, from the sports network side, from the, professional sports and and the nhl specifically in our case side there's so much more work to be done to make it a truly open and welcoming community across the board and profession across the board but there has been tremendous progress made and i am so thrilled that people are benefiting from that today
2: yeah i feel like every time someone else comes out we get a little bit closer to like it being the norm uh, and I don't know if we're going to get an openly gay player in the NHL, but, you know, we had, um, I've forgotten his name, the the player agent that that came out last year. And, you know, there's openly gay employees working high up in in the corporations. And obviously, you know, women's hockey is starting to get more and more kind of prominent. Obviously, there is a lot of queer voices coming, coming from there, whether they're, you know... Openly gay, or it's just kind of like an open secret. Like I feel like most most women hockey players have never had like a real coming out. It's more just a kind of a, everyone assumes, and then they turn up and they have a wife, um,
3: get married, but.
2: and have children. <laughs> when yeah. they're on
3: the biggest rivalry <laughs> in sports, the Team USA in Canada, just like just multiple marriages. House, like <laughs> my favorite story yeah. in in
2: women's hockey. Um, but uh. yeah, I feel like it's getting like more and more not not acceptable because it's, it's always acceptable, you know, but it feels like it's getting less and less um, unusual, which is, which is nice. Um, And I feel every time someone else comes out and it's like, again, I think it's, it's different for me because um, being like a trans guy is, is, is a weird place to navigate like masculinity in sport um, because I feel like I have to do extra work to be masculine. Um, but at the same time, I I worry that people will see me as just, you know, another white guy. And I worry that I kind of fall into, you know, things like mansplaining or, you know, things like that. And I don't ever want to be that type of white guy in sports. And so it's, it's always really, really difficult for me to be feel like I'm not barging into these conversations to be like, well, I have opinions too, just because it feels very much like it's a a, a space for queer women and like mostly cis people, to be honest. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it, it's nice to know that there are more queer people out there, but I wish there was more stories like Jessica Platt's. Or Harrison Brown's. And I could talk for like a hundred years about the transgender policy that the NWHL has. But frankly, I feel like I do that every other week on Twitter. So I don't need to <laughs> I don't need to get into that now. But it is kind of frustrating as a trans person to see all of this, um, which I guess is is where I'm going with this point. It's frustrating to see everyone be like, Well, homophobia is cured. And I'm like, Okay, cool. Now do trans women like now say that trans women can play women's sports and it's feels like we we take one step forward and then another step straight back every time this this debate comes up and especially in hockey which is i don't even know why but hockey seems to be the sport that has it the most kind of aggressively um it's the most aggressively gendered sport i think
3: i think there's some truth to that and uh jay you think you're uh blue jackets fan name five of their stanley cups <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow okay okay sorry, sorry. <laughs> no maybe i'm not
3: sorry maybe i'm not sorry we only have two so you know
2: but i feel like our stanley cup drought is shorter than your stanley cup drought
3: pro- probably yes when was the that last is time true. The won? i was 18 months old
2: okay so
3: <laughs> so and i'm old so uh Yeah. But, but there, there is a a truth to that. I think, you know, what you're saying in terms of, and, you know, there are debates within the queer community about, you know, what is the role of coming out in general? And should we be putting an emphasis on it because everybody's journey is their own individually and it is not the responsibility of queer people to represent the entire queer community if that's not something that is of importance or interest or helpful to them. So, I think that waiting or wanting a queer NHLer is you know there there are definitely differing opinions. On that. But I also think that there can be a role for the sport to play in terms of particularly what's going on now with anti trans legislation. That, you know, having major sports leagues step up and say, we are part of the sports world and these laws are bad would be very helpful, I think, to helping quash some of them because it's, I mean, it's unconscionable what is happening to trans people who want to participate in sports and, and trans people in general, in terms of you know, healthcare related bills and, and whatnot, and to have the sports world speak up as a whole and say, these are bad <laughs> and, and what is happening here is bad. I, I think it is the important part rather than putting the onus on queer people to advocate all the time.
2: Yeah. 100%.
1: Like sometimes it feels like some of the teams are kind of playing chicken with it a little bit. Um, because I mean, like we were talking about with the pride nights and stuff, like some of them get like almost right there. Uh, and you know, team, I, I can use the Kings is that, you know, they're in a market that if the Kings came out tomorrow with a Twitter post that said, you know, trans rights, you know, would there be like a, I mean, there'd be a ripple because, Oh my God, a sports team just said this, but of the hockey teams, a team in a market like Los Angeles that already has a lot of you know a queer fan base, like it wouldn't be a big thing, or it shouldn't be a big thing. Um, and you know, I'm kind of waiting for some of those teams that we know are more vocally progressive in in you know the way they present themselves and their what 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 do you think the, the team stands for or whatever. Um, I'm waiting for one of them to just find, you know you, you need to open the floodgates, and it's like okay, well. This team did it. Now, I mean, that's kind of how the Pride Night started. Of a handful of teams started doing them, and then um, it kind of it kind of picked up. And then the league decided to get into it and was like, "Oh, now it's just talking for everybody." Like, yeah, we can. Yay, we play this. for we play for <laughs> teachers, you know. Um, but Rainbow yeah, jerseys,
0: Pride tape, and everything. We get yeah. all the money.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I you know, I, I did I go and buy the incredibly gay hat that the Penguins put out. Yes, I did um, <laughs> because it was a great hat. But <laughs> also at the same time, I'm like are you going to, is this money just going to go to what, what are you doing with this money? Is it actually going to do something useful? Um, But yeah, like I just, you just need those teams to stand up and and someone has to open the door and just barge through it. And then I think we'll see more teams, you know, hopefully step up and, you know, not be horrible.
2: Yeah. It feels very much like a, after you, no, no, after you, type mm-hmm. situation. Like no one, no one wants to be first. Um, and yeah, I always, I'm always like because, like, as evidenced by by the jersey. Like, I love rainbow stuff. Like, put rainbow logos on everything. But it does bother me that I don't know where the money goes. Uh, like, and a lot of NHL teams are like, oh well, we we give some of the proceeds to You Can Play. I'm like, okay, cool. What does You Can Play do with the money? No one knows. Like, if you go to their website, you can't find it. Like, they're always like, we raise money to help. Like raise awareness of being gay in sports, but you can't actually find what the money is used for, which bothers me. Um, and then like just the other day I saw there's a local company in Columbus that does a bunch of like fun t-shirts. Like they worked with Seth Jones on a bunch of different ones and they have like a really fun, like DJ MDZ for Michael Del Zotto, And it's in like these Miami vice, like hot pink and blue like graffiti design and it's super cool and they came out with a, a rainbow one and they were like hockey is for everyone look at this rainbow shirt and i was like oh cool which LGBT charity are you donating the proceeds to and they're like we give money to youth hockey inside and outside of columbus and i'm like so none and then i decided that this wasn't worth my time to argue with someone else jumped in on the thread and then eventually they were like we're looking into co- to charities that we can donate to but it is very much like a they see this as an opportunity to take our money and then not put it back into the community, which, which bothers me because I would love to buy every single rainbow hat ever. I have a number of very cool gay hats, um, but I don't necessarily want to fund this. Like I want to buy things because I want them to know that like rainbow merch sells because obviously that's what drives their desire to do it again. But I also don't want to support it if it's not going to the people that need it. Like if this, if these, you know, pride taped sticks or rainbow jerseys or whatever, are going to just straight into the team's pockets, then I don't want any part of that. But like, again, just kind of going back to, to this Jersey, I know the, I think it was, it was a week after the game. They basically said they raffled off Zach's on the night for like the shirt off the back, which was really cool. And then they sold the rest of them, online and they're like giving the proceeds to a charity and then the PR guy actually messaged me and was like do you know of any local queer charities that we can give the money to because that was you know it was important that that was where the money went and then you look at you know the average NHL team who's like yeah we're gonna raffle these rainbow taped sticks up and send half the money to you can play and half the money to the Blue Jackets Foundation or whatever which I know for a fact is not Sending any money to to queer people, it just it feels a little bit like a, a little bit like a kick in the teeth. Like they they want to take our money, but they don't actually want to have to do it. Like they don't actually want to have anything to do with us beyond taking our money.
1: Yeah, I looked. I I I looked it up just because now I was curious as to who got the like two cents from the Penguins stuff that I bought, and they they do at least. uh, They they did the game with the Buffalo Sabers, and they actually did a whole big it was actually a very good like production essentially between both of the teams and a partnership of both of those teams to be like, yes, this is our pride night. Um, But Pittsburgh sent the, uh, or it was like their featured nonprofits, they call it. So again, who knows how much money they actually got, Uh, but they split between you can play, which as we discussed, who knows what that money goes to. Um, And then uh, a group called the Pittsburgh Tigers, which is a, a group that kind of helps encourage hockey fans and players and uh, they they play in leagues in Pittsburgh and it's, you know, essentially the Pittsburgh gay hockey organization and Buffalo also supported a couple of local organizations as well. But yeah, the Kings, I'm pretty sure when they did theirs um, I'm pretty sure the money just went to the King's care foundation, which is great because it helps, uh, you know, the King's care foundation helps under, you know, underprivileged families in Los Angeles and works with children's hospitals and stuff, but did, did the money from the, uh, the that I dropped on the, uh, the rainbow Jersey Go to anywhere that was supporting queer people. I, I doubt it, which kind of stinks, especially because it's Los Angeles. Like, yeah, and like I get
2: the, I get the, you know, a lot of like, um, like homeless charities and things like that. You know, the the benefit, the people who benefit from from those kind of charities are overwhelmingly LGBT. Wow, LGBT. <laughs> um, have fun editing that one out, Sean. Um they are overwhelmingly LGBT and so it's very much like the money is not directly going to queer people explicitly but it is at least kind of going in the right direction and I get that you know when you donate money to youth hockey inevitably you know if they haven't been chased out of the sport there are going to be some queer kids there that will benefit but it does kind of I do wish that they would just say listen this is this is gay money and we are sending it to gay people because that's how things should work i feel like montreal actually just to, just to segue a little bit, i feel like montreal sent their money to uh like a queer youth charity um which is why like in in the very beginning of the season i said okay for every blue jacket shut out i'm gonna send five dollars to a um columbus-based uh anti-bullying organization specifically for kind of young adult queer young adults and, and teenagers and a dollar for every Oliver Bjorkstrand goal, and I feel like that turned into like thirty bucks total because the team was awful. But I wanted to, I made, I wanted to go out of my way to say, listen, I, it's important that I support queer people in this community because you know, as a queer person, I want to feel like the money that I spend is helping the people who need it and not just going directly into like the pockets of whoever runs. You can play in the minute which I, I have a whole I have a whole spiel that I could do on, on you can play I'm not going to but uh, <laughs> I have a whole I have a whole grievance with with them
0: so I will say that, that, that like you know there, there are definitely a lot of organizations out there that like you know across, across other sports that will that, that will still you know make those kind of contributions to you know local queer organizations yeah, um, one cross sport um, that will come to mind now, obviously I'm a huge Bay Area sports fan the Giants are they they're one of the one of the big ones. They do that. And I think this this month they're been doing a lot of money to San Francisco Pride, and I think maybe even other other um organizations. But they're huge on that. So that's like we'll see, well, those organizations that do, that do do that, which is and those that are open about it, it's fantastic.
3: And obviously, the WNBA are the standard bearers in terms of community involvement and activism in the context of sports and I, I think that they're the role model that other leagues should be looking to in terms of how to put these you know the these words into action
2: yeah definitely I wish like I have I have some issues with the Child that are not you know relevant to, to this discussion at all but you know one of the big things is I wish they were more like the WNBA in terms of their like community outreach their charitable donations and it just it feels a little bit like the nwhl is trying to be a little bit like they're trying to follow the nhl's model which is very much you know it's kind of an insular we only help other hockey players type situation but yeah the the NWA the, the wnba has um really kind of changed how i look at how a team can interact with the people that watch the sport, because again, I feel like the the WNBA has a majority women following and a majority queer following. You know, it feels like it's a, a and a majority like people of color following, and so they are the most tapped into kind of that that aspect of community. And I feel like the the NHL and to an extent the NWHL just doesn't have that because it is mostly you know rich straight. The white guys
3: yeah intersectionality is definitely something that <laughs> hockey holistically and the nhl has to work harder at and and recognizing when intersectionality comes into play and the fact that it is such a predominantly white sport affects how they address misogyny and gay rights and trans rights and and all of this you know, all of these different communities that there are overlapping issues. Right. So I think that hockey has the furthest to go simply because of how white it is.
0: I think that's, I think, and I'll say this, I think that's uh, one of the things that uh, made it harder for me as someone to come out because not because, uh, you know, I am of uh, Hispanic and, as well as Asian descent. So I'm already <laughs> working, I'm working hard as someone covering hockey. And then it's start to add in a you know, queer identity into that, it's like, it's like slowly moving down, having to work much harder than, you know, the guy next to me, a, you know, cis, straight, white male who's already, you know, got, got everything taken care of for him.
2: Yeah. And when we try and get into the sports and like, again, it's not necessarily a queer thing it's a a gender thing as well it's well why would you hire this woman surely there was 10 men that were more qualified you're just doing this for like affirmative action or whatever and i feel like with every kind of different um flavor of um minority i guess you are then it gets you know you have to work 10 times as hard than the average like and again i i benefit from this more than more than most I think because you know I think to, to all intents and purposes I do present as you know a, a white guy and that has a lot of heft in in the NHL but I also think that I have to work harder than the average cis cisgender heterosexual guy because I am neither of those things but then you you know you add like being a woman on top of that you know being a queer woman of color is so much harder than being you know just at your average like white gay man for example you know i'm sure that we could talk for hours and hours and hours about this kind of thing i know that i could but i never shut up so it's it's pretty easy for me to find something to to ramble about um but if you know people want to kind of see more of, of what you guys are about if they want to follow the show um i know we haven't really talked a lot about specific teams here but if people want to kind of learn more about the, the coyotes if they want to know more about like queer advocacy in arizona specifically uh robbie where can they where can they find you and and your show
0: yeah so you can you can find me myself on twitter i'm at your one uh locked on coyotes is, uh, is at lo underscore coyotes um and we're available everywhere you get your podcast as well and we're again you'll, you'll hear me talk about everything everything coyotes everything Connor garland and jacob chicken and all my favorite guys um but that's where that's where you can find me cool sarah where can we where can we find you Um, If you
1: want to experience the unique pain of being a Los Angeles Kings fan and just knowing nothing but failure lately. um, Yes, we have Stanley cups. Yes. We're bad now. Leave me alone. Uh, You can find You can find locked on Los Angeles Kings, wherever you get podcasts as well. It's on Twitter at locked on LA Kings, uh, where I do things like yell at the team and be sad that they traded Jeff Carter. Um, I'm on Twitter at right said, Sarah, that's W R I T E said, Sarah with an H. Yes. It's a pun. If you know the joke, um, you're awesome. Uh, And I'm also over there yelling about sports a lot and uh, locked on NHL, our national show. um, I host Mondays where I talk with other local hosts from across the network and Wednesdays uh, where I talk with uh, Oilers dude, Tom Gazzola, uh, all about stuff happening in the sort of Western conference. When we go back to having conferences and locked on NHL is at locked on NHL at locked on NHL pods on Twitter. And that's all I do.
2: I can always tell when it's been a slow week in the NHL, because Sarah will text me at like 11 p.m. my time and be like, hey, do you want to come talk about John Tortorella on the national show? I'm hey, like,
1: yeah. sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's yell about stuff. It's cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, where can we find you, Rachel?
3: Uh, I, like I said, am the co-host of Locked on Flyers with my amazing co-host, Danielle. We are on Twitter at Locked on Flyers, and we talk about Gritty a lot because Gritty is the best. But Where we also talk about our goaltending woes and the fact that we have not won a Stanley Cup since I was 18 months old, like I said. And, uh, you know, lots of, lots of good stuff going on in Flyers land this offseason. And then you can find me personally on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M.
2: Cool. So, uh, yeah, you can find me at Jay the Goalie. Uh, you can also find me at LO underscore Blue Jackets. I do lockdown on Blue Jackets, as we mentioned at the top of the show. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple is still doing what Apple does, I think. Um, so that might be an issue, but you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Odyssey. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Audible, I discovered um, the other day, which is very exciting. Um, but if you want to talk about Blue Jackets, then that's where to find me. If you want to talk about queer things if you want to look at some of the pieces that i've written uh, i did a whole bunch of stuff for lgtb history month back in february where i talked to um brock gillis and zach sullivan and jessica platt and Curtis gabriel about either being queer in hockey or being an ally in a place where there are no queer people to be seen um so if that's something that you're interested in you can find me over at my uh regular twitter i do also uh do terrible puns and occasional dog pictures and yelling, but uh, I think that's that is all from us here at Locked On Presents. Uh, you will find all of us at our our usual shows, yelling about how our teams are terrible and not in the playoffs. Uh, but everyone enjoys wow, that is day. all of us. <laughs> that is that is fully all of us. Oh, uh, great. You guys that's enjoy nothing but
1: pain. Nothing. But
3: <laughs>